Um, you may notice if you use the around this time, we take two weeks out of our church calendar, and, uh, and we just talk about giving. And uh, this morning is our first week of doing that. And uh, I was at a conference last week and uh, in a leader's um, thing. And, um, and I was just kind of sitting down, having drinks with everybody, and we were given a gift and, uh, and the gift was, there's a book by Jenny Gilpin called Prophesize, brilliant devotional book, brilliant devotional tool. And, uh, and I, we were all given kind of um, the title and then the verses that go along with the, with the day, if you like. And uh, it was random. You, you got like random ones, uh, or we thought it was random anyway. And, uh, and when um, I got mine, I kind of took the bow off it. And the title of mine was The Stretch. And, uh, and it, it kind of banter, bantering around the office at the moment um, is this whole thing that we're in a stretch. We're in a stretch as a church. I'm in a stretch as a leader. I'm doing things now that I never um, have done before. And uh, Liz and Paul are over um, in Grimsby this morning. And we're stretched. Ever felt like that? And, uh, and we're going through this season um, right now that we have entitled The Stretch as a team. And uh, so it was really random that I should get the picture. There was, there was about probably 100 leaders in the room, and they all got one of these things. It was really random that I should get the one that says The Stretch on it. But I was reading the day that goes, I've got the book. I was reading the day that goes along with the plaque that I got and with the, with the thing that I got. And I was reading... Um, just what it said and just um, knew that we were coming up to these days. And I'm really glad that we sang that song because when you, every single year at the same time, speak on the same topic, sometimes you can go, God, help me. Because, you know, we, we've said most things that there is to be said about it. And I'm just like, God, help me bring something new out of this. And just as I read kind of what was written in this book, just as I read it, Something happened inside me, and what I read, I really felt was for us as a church. So I'm going to go with that at the beginning. And the, the verses that went along with the stretch were taken from Exodus 14, and it's the bit of the Bible where the, um, the Israelites have left Egypt, and they're going, and they're going to get to uh, the Red Sea. And, uh, and, and, and they're kind of traveling, and, uh, and the, the enemy is closing in. And the, the Bible talks about there was a pillar of cloud that went before them, and they followed God. They literally followed God. I mean, how amazing is that? They literally followed God. It wasn't like, you know, a saying. You know, I think we kind of sometimes have that saying. But they literally physically followed what was in front of them. I love that. I wish sometimes that I had that, anyone else with me. When you're not quite sure which way to go, God, give me the pillar of cloud, and then I can follow you. And this is what it said, and then this is what was Jen's kind of prophetic explanation on it. And it says that the pillar of cloud went from going before them to being behind them. Okay, so the cloud went in between them and the enemy. And it's almost like God cleared the way before them so they could see where they were going, and he blocked what was coming up behind them to try and stop them reaching where they should be. And, uh, and as Jen wrote in her book, you know, she, she was talking about God opening the way before them and blocking the way behind them. And as I was coming again to speak on this subject, as I was coming again to talk about this subject to us, okay, I just really felt God really speaking into my heart about 
You know, it's not like we're following the pillar of cloud. Okay, it's like God has changed and the pillar has gone behind us because he's opening the way before us and actually he's blocking the enemy coming up at the back and he's blocking when we look back and we can see maybe where God might not have done what we asked him to do or or where things might have been tough, where we can see all of that. God's blocking all of that because he wants to light the way before us and block off what the enemy is trying to tell us. You can't trust God in that because... You can't trust God in this because. And this morning, I want to just come and bring some thoughts on giving. And, uh, and the, the thoughts I'm going to bring are my perspective from 30 years of putting this into practice. I became a Christian when I was four years old. And from at least being, you know, 10, 12 years old, I have practiced what I'm about to talk to us about this morning. I put it into practice since I was a teenager. This is not something new. This is not something that God has just revealed to me. I have put this into practice since I was a kid. And just a few stories just as I was thinking over the last 12 months. And, uh, and uh, you know, um, last year, Matt took a month off um, work. And when we were deciding on whether I was going to go and have the operation I had or not, part of our decision was based around finance because we knew that Matt would have to take off this month to look after me. And, uh, and so that part of the decision was based around finance, and we had to kind of sit down and think about it and look at it. And uh, I would still have gone and had the operation anyway, because health is more important than finance. But we had to get our head around what was going to happen in that month. And so we put provisions in place, and Matt is really good at stuff like that. He's a lot better than I am. And, uh, and he put provisions in place, and it was all okay. And it came to June when I had the time off, and, uh, and we knew that Matt got five days compassionately, so he got one week compassionate leave and three weeks off work with no pay. And so we knew that that all was coming up. And I can remember sitting down, Matt was still off when, when he got paid in June. And so kind of we went on, you know, online banking on payday. Anyone else get excited about that moment? Okay. And, uh, and so kind of we went on and the right amount of, of wage was in the bank account. So no money had been taken. And we're like, okay, it's just an administration thing. Okay, we'll check it next month. And we checked it next month. And it was the same thing. And we checked it the month after, and it was the same thing. And, and you know what? Just sometimes God just comes and goes, actually, when, when you just do the thing that I've told you to do over and over again in different areas of your life, actually, there are times when I'm just going to come, and I'm going to show you who I am. And we went through those months thinking that there was going to be a deficit in our finances. And we did everything that we could to make it not a deficit and so that we could prepare for it. And God was very kind to us in that. And, and you know, we stewarded very well. And then all of a sudden, just that overflow of God comes in. You know, that overflow of God that comes in and just, you know, blesses and, and, and brings abundance sometimes. And we've not even asked for it. That's, that's the crazy thing about God is we'd not even ask for it and God brought it in. And so I was kind of thinking the other day where it comes to our giving, you know, what kind, of, what kind of faith levels can I rise? And God doesn't always do it in the same way for everybody. But there will be things that happen in our life when we become givers and when we become generous in every way. There will be things that happen in our life that we just can't explain. We just can't explain that. We, we, we don't, we, like I say, in the first instance, we thought it was just an administration thing. And then all of a sudden, the next month, it was the same. And the next month, it was the same. And God, the Bible says, is no debtor. God is never going to owe you. God has freely given to you and to me. And Linda's already come this morning and talked about the uniform bank. 
and just talked about just God's provision in this whole area for us as a church. And it's all coming at a time actually when I'm just going to be talking about giving again. And what I want to do this morning is I want to make three observations. We're going to sing that song again at the end. And we're just going to come and dedicate our lives, all of us, I hope and pray at the end of this. Because what I'm going to say is not all about finance, although that's the beginning point. Okay, I'll get into kind of the real preaching mode on point three because it's, it's more than that. And I want to look at where our, where our generosity begins because it doesn't begin in our bank balance. It begins in our heart, but I'm jumping ahead. So three observations that I am making as someone who has been in church all my life and someone who has put giving into operation for at least, well, over three decades of that. Okay, and, uh, and I just do it. It's, it's an automatic thing for me. And the first thing that I want to, the first observation I want to make is simply this, that our giving should be habitual, not sporadic. Should be habitual. There are good habits that we can form. You know, we read the Bible and we see God's generosity over and over again. God isn't sporadic in his generosity. His generosity is almost habitual. And I was thinking through God's generosity. God provided for Noah as he built the ark. He fed and clothed the Israelites in the desert while they were stubborn and rebellious. He constantly provided for the great and the least. Solomon he provided for with his, with his palace and, and with the house of God. And yet he provided also for the widow in everything that she needed. He provided for Daniel while he was in exile. He provided for Jonah when he walked away. He provided fish for the, for the scattered disciples in John 21. The apostle Paul talked of God's provisions, whether he was in need or in plenty. And I think the verse that sums up God so much is in John 3:16 that says this, that God loved, so he gave. You know, this morning, uh, our giving needs to be habitual, not sporadic. And I'm not saying, you know, that there's a place where we start, but actually I think in our lives there are good habits that we can form. And over and over again, we see God's generosity and his provision for his people. God's giving was constant. And even when God gives in different ways than expected, his provision is always what we need. There are godly habits that as Christ followers I think we should form because this will enhance our relationship with God. Do you know what? There are seasons where God's provision is just there. And then there are seasons where we have to come and ask him for it. For us, in that season when Math was off work and, and, and I was laid up, God's provision was just there. We never asked God for that. We worked hard to make sure it was going to be okay. And God just gave it because he's just generous like that sometimes. There are seasons sometimes where it's just there. And there are seasons where... Sometimes we've got to come and we've got to take our stand and hold our ground while God comes through. If we look at the Israelites in the wilderness, the Bible tells us that God provided everything. Their food turned up every day. The Bible says that their clothes and their shoes, their sandals never wore out. There is part of me that would love that. And there is part of me that likes to shop. Okay, and likes to change, all right? So I'm kind of mixed, mixed on that one, okay? There's part of me that go, oh, absolutely fantastic. Clothes never wore out, shoes never wore out. And I'm like, but I do actually quite like to have a change sometimes and go shopping sometimes. But we're told that when they went into the promised land, they had to start and take responsibility for themselves. And they had to work the land and they had to, they had to do that. And God provided, that's still God's provision for them. God's provision isn't 
you know, just in the desert where nothing wore out and food fell from heaven. That, that's not just provision, but actually when they went into the promised land and the Bible says that they worked the ground and, and all of a sudden their clothes did wear out and their shoes did wear out and they had to provide and take responsibility, God was still providing because he was providing the way for them to do that. And I, and I love that you've just got the two contrasts that sometimes God's provision, it almost does just seem to fall from the sky. And yet sometimes we've got to really kind of stand our ground and believe that God's going to provide. And he doesn't always do it in the way that we want him to. I would love God to just provide out of the sky all the time. Anyone else would like that? The moment I ask, God just does it. But we all know if you've been in faith for, for long enough, we all know that doesn't happen. <laughs> and there are seasons where, where we've got to come and where we've got to lay things down and where we've got to believe God in the midst of it doesn't always work out the way that we want it to work out. In every sphere of our life, not just in the sphere of finance, but in every sphere of our life. And yet in those seasons, God still comes and says, are you going to give? Are you, are you going to halt what you're doing? And we're going to look at that in a moment. Are you going to halt what you're doing in the area of what I've asked of you? Or are you going to continue to do that? Giving should be a way of life for the believer. It's not an add-on when we think it's the right season. Do you know what? We're made in his image. And so as he gives, we give. And uh, that's sometimes a tough one. Because there are different seasons in our life, and I want you to really hear heart here. There are different seasons in our life where, where we go through different things and where actually God, I think, sometimes comes and asks different things of us. And so this morning, it's not that we go into any guilt or anything like that, because actually God says he loves a cheerful giver. He loves someone who gives freely without guilt and, and all of that. So it, I don't want any of us to go into that. But I do think that it should be a way of life for us. And it's not just in the area of finance, it's in the area of everything. We give habitually. It's a good habit. You know, I don't know about you, I form bad habits all the time. And uh, there are things that I do that I think I've got to stop doing that. At one point, I used to say, okay, after every sentence. And math once told me that I did that. And, and I've really tried, I sometimes slip back into it, but I've really tried not to. Just, we, we, Things get habitual to us. And actually, th this is something that I think needs to be formed as a habit in our life, not just a sporadic thing. And I've learned that over 30 odd years of giving. I've learned that over 30 odd years of, of seeing God. You know, sometimes I, I've got loads and other times I've not hardly got anything. The second thing that I want to say, just from my observations, is simply this, that perspective is everything. And I've really prayed over this one. God gave me this verse to, to use as a kind of frame for what I'm going to speak on this morning. And it is not a giving verse. You know, you can kind of, I can pluck those out of the Bible, you know. I, I, I know where to go. I know the books to go to and the scriptures to go to and, and all of that. And this is not one of them, okay. And, uh, and I want to read to you from Hebrews 12, verses 26 to 29. And like I say, this is not one of those kind of go-to verses, but uh, God really began to speak to me through it. It says, the one whose voice in earlier times shook the earth now makes another promise. Yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The phrase yet once more means that those things that can be shaken will be removed and taken away. 
namely the first creation. As a result of those things that remain cannot be shaken. Therefore, let us all be thankful that we are a part of an unshakable kingdom and offer to God worship that pleases him and reflects the awe and reverence we have toward him. For he is like a fierce fire that consumes everything. I was like, how the heck do I link that into what I feel you want to say? And this is it. I think our perspective is everything. And I actually think as Christians, and most of us in this room are, I actually think as Christians, we've got to come at everything through the kingdom perspective. It's not through our earthly perspective. And I think a lot of the time, you know, we've kind of come, especially to this subject, through sometimes an earthly perspective. And I think that needs to change. You see, an earthly perspective puts a percentage on what we give, whereas a kingdom perspective sees everything that we have comes from God anyway. And I think, I think we can sometimes, you know, get into this whole kind of percentage thing. And I fully believe in what we call tithing. And I fully believe that is a good way to live and a right way to live. But I think that's the start point, not the end point. I think it's the start point, not the end point. And our perspective is everything. When we pray the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, verses 19 to, verses 9 to 13, it says this, Your kingdom come. And when we pray that, you know, we pray it over our land, but the the kingdom coming is going to start in you and it's going to start in me. His kingdom coming, when I pray your kingdom come, there should be a shift in my heart and there should be a shift in what I'm thinking. Because a lot of the time, if you're like me, we'll put it that way around, we think at things from an earthly perspective. And when we pray, God, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's kingdom is going to come, not just kind of, I don't know where your brain goes or your imagination goes, but God's God's kingdom isn't going to come and hover over this earth. God's kingdom is going to come through you and through me. That's how God's kingdom is going to begin to reign on the earth when we get a perspective of heaven and a perspective of God's kingdom. The Bible says this, for for he is like a fierce fire that consumes everything. You see, when we stand in his kingdom, his kingdom cannot be shaken by our earthly perspective. His kingdom cannot be shaken. We will begin to view things differently. We will begin to view our life differently. We will begin to view our circumstances differently. We can often experience a shaking in our lives, especially in the area of what we have, But we have to come to realize that we're part of an unshakable kingdom, one that is eternal, one that we can rely on at all times. And when we begin to get a kingdom perspective on things like giving, on on things like our lives and, and what God wants from us and all of those things, all of a sudden we stand on solid ground. And circumstances may try to shake us, the, you know, the... But but God has taken the cloud from in front of us to behind us. And and my prayer this morning is that actually for some of us, that that cloud, that that presence of God, because that's what the cloud represents, begins to block off some of the reasons why we go. We're we're not going to do this because. We can't give because. The final verse in Hebrews 12 that talks about God being a consuming fire is linked with Deuteronomy 4.24 that tells us this, that God is a consuming fire and he is jealous for us. And when other things take his place, there has to come a point where he challenges that and where he comes and speaks into that. And at the end of everything, giving comes down to our trust in God. Do we trust God enough to let go of what we think will solve our issues? Do we trust him to provide so we can give? 
When we choose to hold on to rather than to give away, we're saying that if we give, we'll be in lack. And I want to tell you my honest perspective of this and what I think is the Bible's honest perspective of this as well. When I give, one of two things happens. The first thing is God either shows me a way to live without what I've given. He shows me how to navigate life without the thing that I have given away. Whether that be, I don't know, whether that be a car, finance, whatever it is. God, God can show us how to navigate life. So it's not always that God gives it all back to me. But sometimes he shows me a better way to live. Because actually I think our lives are full of things and full of stuff. And actually the Bible says, seek first God's kingdom and everything will be given to you anyway. And sometimes, you know, God shows me, actually, Joe, you didn't actually need that. You can still live. You can still um, thrive. You can still do everything I've called you to do. You didn't actually need that. Or he provides in the middle of my perceived lack. And we have to learn to listen to God for what he is saying rather than deciding what God should do. Some of my biggest growth moments have come when God has made me wait. I don't like waiting. I'm not patient. I don't like always waiting for, for stuff or for God to do what I would really like him to do right now. But sometimes God brings the weight so he can bring the growth. And some of my biggest growth has come when God has helped me negotiate what I already have to make it work. You know, sometimes I think we look at subjects like this, which... Sometimes as a senior leader, I'm not the easiest ones to speak on. But I think sometimes we look at this, that, that if I do this, God has to do this. And he has to do it this way. And we get discouraged and despondent when God doesn't do it the way we think he should do it. Sometimes me holding on to what I have actually withholds God giving to me. And I was thinking about this. Because we've gone through a lot of grants recently and stuff like that for our church, and uh, all of a sudden this week, those grants have kind of come in. And I kind of thought, why now? Because like, there are some people that have put in a lot of work over the last few months, over the last six months or so. Why? Why now? And uh, this is what I realized, is that we don't have anything else. Like, like we, we've kind of costed the, the projects and we've costed the build and, and we had a certain amount of money to kind of give to that. And, uh, and, and so we just got reject after reject. And all of a sudden, I realized that sometimes God doesn't always do what we can do. He waits till we can't do anything and then he comes in and he does it. And we've hit snags along the way. We have an old building. You know, it's not like we've got like, you know, a lot of churches these days are going for the warehouse that you can just convert. And, uh, and it's actually quite easy. We've got an old building. And the moment you start kind of peeling layers off it, oh, my word, all kind of things begin to happen. And so that's happened. And we run out. We, we're like, okay, not quite sure how we're going to finish this. And God says, actually, this is my heart. Okay, you've done what you can do. Now let me do what I can do. And all of a sudden, it's, it's come in. And, uh, you know, because actually we could resource something. We were asking God to do something that we could already do. And would it have made it a bit easier? Would it have been really nice for that, like, you know, massive 10,000 pounds to come in that we went for? Absolutely. It would have been amazing and fantastic. But, you know, some of me kind of thinks sometimes God just says to you, you do what you can do. Diane's already said it this morning. 
and then I'll come and do what I can do. You give everything you can give, and then I will come and I will do what I can do. And then the third thing is that I think giving is more about heart than what we put in an offering basket. It's more about heart. Matthew 6, 21, in the Amplified Version of the Bible, says this, For where your treasure is, there your heart, your wishes, your desires, that on which your life centers will be also. The Passion puts it like this, For your heart will always pursue what you value as your treasure. Your heart will always pursue what you value as your treasure. If you look in the book of Acts, they were all in. They understood your kingdom come and they lived as kingdom people. And God tells us to do this, to love him with, our, with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength, and then to love others. If you want to know what God's plan for your life is, that's it. Love him, love others. However you're going to do that, do it. Love him, put him first with everything that we have got, and then we love other people. You know what? You can tell when someone's heart is not in what they're doing. You really can. The difference between someone whose heart is all in and someone whose heart is not is so, so obvious at times. People whose heart are not in what they're doing will often procrastinate. And I know this because I know when my heart's not in it. Okay? So this is me speaking to myself. They make excuses. They do the bare minimum. They don't enthuse anybody else. What they put in becomes less and less. I can remember hearing um, a guy called Simon Jarvis preach, and he's one of my favorite preachers. And, um, and he tells the story of when he was a youth, and he started the way that most of us do on the overhead projector. And uh, so he was given the overhead projector. That was his ministry. He's now on the national team of AOG. Okay, he's one of the best leaders I have ever known. If you ever get to hear him talk about leadership, go. Because whether you're in leadership or not, you will get some out of it. He is just incredible. And he said this. He said, I had a, I had a job to do, and it was a rubbish job, but I decided to make it cool. And so, like, he got a team up for the OHP, and he did training, and he inputted into his team. And, and everybody, all of a sudden, it was the cool ministry to be involved in in his church. It's one of the worst jobs that you could have. Okay, and uh, you get daggers at you, like some of our sound, you know, guys at the back do when the words don't come up on the screen and, and all of that kind of stuff. And it's a lot easier today than what it was back then trying to kind of make it work. But, but you know, he did it and he raised a team and he enthused people about the OHP. I mean, you've got to be good at leadership if you can do that. Okay, his heart was in it. I'm not quite sure how you do that. <laughs> I did it because there was no one else and it was a step up to the worship team. That's why I went for it. Okay, but his heart was in it, and you see that through and through in a lot of things that he does. His heart is in it, and but you can tell when someone's heart is not in what they're doing. Let's be people whose heart is in what we're doing. Proverbs tells us to guard our heart because out of it flow the issues of life. I can remember being at youth camp quite a few years ago, it was 2001, and uh, I was I just bought a house on my own, and uh, so I was kind of trying to negotiate that, uh, but I was stood in this youth meeting, and I cannot even remember what they asked for money for, I, I, I honestly can't, okay, but it was some youth project somewhere in the UK, and uh, I was trying to rack my brains thinking about it, and they just said, you know, we need so many people, can you give a hundred pounds, and before I knew it, my hand was in the air, 
okay? And uh, I'm not quite sure how that happened. Just bought a house, was totally skint. But I was like, yep, I can do that. And, uh, you know, I expected God just to give it into my lap. That didn't happen either. But I can remember, like, it w- because it was about young people in the UK. That's why I gave. I gave not out of plenty, but I gave out of heart. I gave because my heart was in it. And it might not have been in my location, but it was young people and it was the UK. And my heart would burst for that. You see, our heart, it begins with our heart. As we give, it begins with our heart. And I can remember them saying, you know, because some young people had put their hands up. And you can imagine them, you know, going back to parents, going, need 100 quid, mum. And uh, it wouldn't go down very well at all. And they said, listen, um, a few people put their hands up. Um, go away and have a think about it. So, like, I, I had an out, okay? And I went back to, to the room that night. And when I finally got all the youth to sleep about 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm like, God, what do I do? Have I rushed this? Is it unwise? Because I'm a good steward of what you've given me. And just something began to beat inside of me. And I, and I couldn't then go and say, listen, I think I've made a mistake. I'm not going to do that. Because all of a sudden, something began to happen inside of me. They went, it's the UK. It's young people. This is what I'm called to. This is what I'm about. This is where my heart is. And when our heart is all in, God can ask us for anything. When your heart is in the right place, Everything falls into place. Because I think sometimes, and this is sometimes, hear my heart, okay, with this. Got to be careful sometimes preaching something like this. But sometimes I think balance is overrated. Now, I am a very balanced person. I like balance and I quite like order, okay? So I quite like, I'm, I'm very balanced usually in, in um, how I come across and I try to think everything through. But I think sometimes balance is overrated. You see, I can't live per- perfectly balanced when it comes to my life in Christ because God asks for all of me. He doesn't ask for a balanced version of me. He asks for everything that I have, all of me in prayer, all of me in giving, all of me in time, all of me in my energy, all of me. That's what the Bible asks us for. That's what God asks us for. Love me with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. And do, and, you know, do the same for other people. Love them with everything that you have got. God doesn't ask for balance. He asks for everything. We used to have a saying when I became a Christian. We don't say it that often now. And I get the theology behind why we might not say it always now. But uh, this is what I responded to at the age of four. My uncle Tony Sykes and, uh, was at the front. And we were sat in this room on a Sunday school holiday. And, uh, and there were, we were on wooden chairs. I can remember the room like it was yesterday. We were on wooden chairs. And, uh, and he said, he, he told a Bible story and he preached and, uh, and then he said, right, who would like to give their heart to Jesus? And that was how it was said when I was a kid. Who would like to give their heart to Jesus? And although I kind of get why people might say it's not the best way to word it, it's not the best way to phrase it, actually, I gave my heart to Jesus. That's what I did. I gave all of me. I gave everything inside of me to him. And my personality type is I'm either in or I'm out. I don't do half and half very well. I'm either in it or I'm not in it. And I've made some decisions in my life based on my personality type because I need to be careful with that. I'm either in it or I'm not. Find me a good series and I'll binge watch it. 
okay? Find me a good cause and I'm all in. Find me an album and I'll listen to it over and over again. Why eat one biscuit from the packet when you can have all of them? Okay? And, and I, I've, I've got to make some wise decisions sometimes. That is the personality type I have. Okay? I'm all in. I'm all or nothing. And so when it comes to my faith, I'm exactly the same. When I was four years old, whether the, whether the, the terminology was right or not, I gave Jesus my heart. I gave him everything in me. And I am not saying that I have lived right every single day since then because I know that I haven't. But this is it. I'm either in or I'm not. That's, that's who I am. Some people love that about me. Some people don't love that about me. But it's who I am. I'm either in or nothing. I can remember talking to my dad once and uh, when I was a teenager and making some decisions on teenage life. And um, I had quite a, actually quite a strict upbringing. And so I was talking to my dad one day, and all our youth were going out doing what they were doing and all that. And I said, Dad, can I ask you a question? And he said, yes, reluctantly, I think. And I said, why, why don't you drink at all? I said, because everyone else's mum and dad do. And they all get to, like, you know, drink. And he says to me, he said, Joe, my personality is I'm all or nothing. He said, so if I'm in that culture, I'm fully in it. He said, I don't think you'd like me very much if I was in that culture. He said, so I've chosen, I've made a very clear choice, not because of anything necessarily that it says majorly in the Bible, he said, but I've made a conscious choice that I am not going to be anywhere near that culture because his personality type is the same as mine and we're all or nothing. He says, I can't be in that and be in this all at the same time. And I can remember that having such an imprint on my life, not just about you know, that kind of subject, but about so many subjects in my life. You know, we have to be careful I have to be careful with that personality type that doesn't, doesn't go into the negative. You know, because there are a lot of things that if I'm all in, then it's going to be negative over my life. But God asks for all of us. Psalm 69 verse 9 says, My love for you has my heart on fire. My passion consumes me for your house. Nothing will turn me away. It says this in the NIV version, The zeal for your house consumes me. I love that verse. You know, it says in Psalms, God, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. One day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. God asks for our heart. He asks that we be all in. Whatever we are consumed with is what will consume the resources we have. My kids consume me. Most of you will know what I'm talking about. They consume me, my time, my thinking space, my emotions, my finance. They consume my energy a lot of the time, okay? They, they consume, our children consume us. And you know what I've been thinking just in the last couple of weeks that I want them to grow with a passion for the house of God. So I also need to consume, be consumed with what I want to pass down to them. I grew up in a house where as for me and my house will serve the Lord really rung true even though my brother and sister have fallen away from Christ, my mum and dad still declare that over us. The zeal for your house consumes me. Our faith shouldn't be always balanced. We sometimes have to balance life, which is why I said, hear what I'm saying. Because I'm not going to go away and throw caution to the wind and live like a crazy woman. Okay? It's not going to happen. May, most of you may think I already do that, but um, it's not going to happen. But... If actually, if we would give him our heart, if we would 
give him everything that we have got and not withhold, actually then he could come and use us. What is it that's consuming your world? The good, the bad, the positive, the negative. When we realize what has our heart, we can begin to make the adjustments that we might need to make. Do you know what? The generation today wants something worth living for. The generation today wants something worth living for. Does my faith show them he is worth living for? Does my faith show them, does my life show the the up and coming generation that actually there is a cause worth living for? Do we show that in how we live out our faith? That Jesus is a man worth giving everything to. It's not about rules and regulations, but it's about heart and passion. And when we get that right, the question will stop being how much should I give? I don't think that's the right question that we come from in any way, shape or form. We won't question what he asks us for. We will just live in the way that he wants us to live. Sometimes we have to steward well, and that's where balance sometimes does does come in. So I want you to hear me right. But if everything is balanced all the time, God actually asks us to become abandoned to him and abandoned to his purposes and abandoned to what he wants of us. And I don't think we often really, really talk about that because it's hard, isn't it? I don't know if you find it hard, I find it hard. It's not the popular thing to say, but actually it's the Bible thing to say. God says, will you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength? With all your heart, the place where your desires are, the place where your wishes are. Are you willing to lay those down and go, God, let me pick up your desires, your hopes, your dreams for my life?